Welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. In our world, it's Tuesday morning. Who knows when you're listening? But, next, uh, next Tuesday morning. But yeah, but thanks for uh, thanks for joining Eric and I as Eric sips on a really uh, large cup of Starbucks coffee, and uh, and I sit here with nothing in front of me because I was responsible and ate at home for once. I so, also ate at home, but I didn't drink coffee at home. Yeah, I did both, and then I couldn't find a to-go cup for my my gotcha. coffee. So it's Faith Over One Coffee, and. Uh, Anyway, yeah, I'm Andy with Mission Church in Tucson, Arizona. My friend Eric Seepin is sitting across the, the way from the village in Tucson, Arizona. Yeah. And we have uh, just concluded a discussion that we're excited for you to hear on. Um, it's it's marriage through the lens of the recent news about Josh Harris. Um, and we're trust me, we're not beating up on him and trying to give you all the gory details. We're just reflecting on the journey of the purity movement, marriage, Divorce, um, the way that you you apply biblical um, promises and what you should expect from those. Yeah, you'll hear some of our journeys in the midst of that. So yeah, tune in, enjoy. Well, uh, we're live, Eric. We are live. And, uh, it's good to see you. Good to see you too. We're just uh, I'm kind of flying into the into the room here. You're telling me how uh, oops we forgot to edit out the the weird phone call guy leaning on our window last yeah. time. So <laughs> if you heard that, um, you know maybe you you finished the podcast. Maybe you didn't. But sorry about that. Um, yeah. That was gonna get edited out, and then uh, Eric and I are pastors. So guess what? We forgot. Forgot. I forgot you didn't. I did not forget that. I forget a lot of things. Do you forget a lot of things? Um, I think because I have a lot of things to forget, I forget a lot of things. Me too. But I also remember more than most people do. That's true. I do remember a lot of things. Yeah. But I also forget, forget a lot of things. Some things. Well, you know, I mean, let's just let's be conservative. How many adults do you think regularly attend your church? Oh, I don't know. Just make an just make an average guess. Not for seventy five. Seventy five. Okay, so that's seventy five stories that you probably have some idea of their like life, kind of where they're at. Yeah. So that's seventy five, just there that you have to play with. Then how many like people do you think you involve yourself at with at work? Nine hundred and fifty two. Right there, you go. So you have nine hundred and fifty two <laughs> plus seventy five stories that you have to remember. Of course, you're going to forget something. Yeah. You can barely remember your name, probably, when you wake up in the morning. That's my name? Who what, are, what is it? Who <laughs> am I? Yeah. Uh, that that so happens. That's that's my theory. Is the more people you know, just the less hmm. you can remember. Okay. That's yeah. That might be of, like, minute little details. Right. Like, yeah. where did I put my keys? Right. Do I have a third kid or not? You know, like yeah. Your keys are on the table. So is your phone. Oh, you're gonna yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll put my phone on the floor yeah. over here behind me, so I don't step on it. There you go. Well, hey, so uh, it is good. To, it's good to see you too. And um, you mentioned so so in a classic Eric and Andy text message conversation. Eric texts a topic thought. I reply. Nothing after that. Oh man, that's so funny. You know, I'm really sorry about that. Like you were, <laughs> I thought that was the reply, so we were going with it. So I, so I, thought, I quick went and read the article that you because oh, I hadn't you did. read it. See, I thought we were going to have a conversation. I thought oh. I would say that, and then you'd go, maybe you'd say, okay, right. 
or you know, no I or take anything. You, I take you as my leader. I put it forward. You said this is what we're doing, and I'm already off to, to making that work. Wow. I mean. <laughs> so I'm so cool. sorry. <laughs> and I was like, I thought I got, you know, as the kids say, ghosted. Oh, right. Yeah, no. I, my kids, we went out as a family last night because um, this is the last week of summer. And yesterday oh, right. was my day off. My son goes to school on Thursday. And uh, they were just giving me the hardest time about texting, just oh, like really? you. Because I don't see the point in texting back long answers to anybody. I, I don't like long answers. So I give like thumbs up. And if so I... Thumbs up? Great. you hand I, me an idea... I don't know. We're, we're a go. My brain is already taken off. Oh. And, and I realize, I think somehow in my head, I've already had the conversation with you. And right. And you know where I'm headed. And I'm there going... <laughs> Well, we'll see. Didn't respond. So you're either stewing mad that I always take your topic and change it somehow, or you're just doing it, or... I was just happy you actually... You dropped your phone in the pool. ...willing to go with my topic at some level, so I'm like, all right. He gave us some more direction. (laughs) That means a yes to this. All right. So so Rod, our friend who was on the podcast with us last week... Uh, sent an article around to some friends that was titled something to do with the sexual prosperity gospel. Right. So, so that was that was interesting. I kind of had a clue where that was going to go, but I didn't. I didn't know um, the backstory behind it, and that was that Joshua Harris, who was the you know his first claim to fame was his. Uh, his book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye, was I that kissed, his first book? Yes, and the one that um, sold a million copies. And yes. Yeah, he sold a lot, and it basically had to do with um, this more biblical way of pursuing somebody. Um, I, I don't, I can't remember if I read that book. I read some others in that genre. I banned I it younger. from my college ministry. Yeah. Meaning I said, yeah. I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> I don't want you to talk to me about it. Good. That's that's because you were a, a more gospel-centered minister than I used to be. Well, I read a few chapters of it and was terrified. Yeah, <laughs> so. right. Yeah, so he – I think I bought into some of that stuff, um, but it got shattered for me, which will be the – you know, that might be part of the interesting conversation. But So um, can we maybe give the premise yeah, of the – that's where the, I was. that's where I was going to go, right? Okay, go for it. Um, so – so premises he's now separated from his wife. So his and from Christianity and from Christianity, and uh, he. So his second claim to fame was he became one of the early Sovereign Grace mega mega pastors in that right. in that world. And so that so that for those fell people off, who don't know, it's a sort of a modern reformed. It's a combination of Pentecostalism and the reformed tradition painting yeah. on it. And so yeah, yeah, he became an early leader there was you know so he he had his kind of round one which was the sexual purity stuff and then round two was being a part of this new denomination that was really interesting big you know pretty visible leader in that um the church world thing fell apart first i mean from the public perspective right he he dropped out of that and then now the the relationship has also um or they're separated. I don't know anything about their I, I, and I do, I really don't want to get into like right. what happened with Joshua Harris. I really don't care. I mean that's it I don't. It's not I don't know this guy at all. Right. But, but the he bigger is a, point, but he is an influencer. He is an influencer. Yeah. And the bigger point is maybe how we apply the moral code of God um or well, or 
expansions on it, such as yeah. Well, let's talk about like at least um, give the premise of the books. I guess yeah. I mean, I, I think that at least what people took from his books, and 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 most likely it's indicated in those books, is that if you wait sexually, yeah, God will and it. that you move into something what people would call courtship, meaning yeah. dating for marriage. Yeah, very, and, very specific dating toward marriage, parents involved. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So all those things that sound, sound kind of good, uh, also then pointing towards if you do this, your marriage will last, you're going to have amazing sex, right? and there's going to be deep, intimate relationship with your wife or husband. And did he explicitly promise those things or were those implicit? Like, we well, want all these things in it. Because I, I don't remember enough of I, – I remember the book, and this was referenced in that article, called When God Writes Your Love Story. And it was, uh, it was a pretty interesting the, – the, the couple that wrote that book had a – like, the guy was way older than the girl. And so it was, like, inappropriate to date. But he waited and waited and waited and waited and waited. And then her parents blessed it. And then they got married. And you got the impression that – a that they were saying like God, this was God's will for sure because it worked out, right? Um, and I don't know if they explicitly were like, "Hey, so if you do what we did," which I thought would be a creepy thing to tell people to do, like, right? Hey, check out young girls at your church and right. wait fifteen years for them. But um, that those day those timelines are way off. But um, but I think implicitly the promise was if you find God's will then it's going to be awesome. And I read that book when I was younger. I don't remember how I got a hold of it, but I was kind of like, "Oh, cool, like that's the ticket. I got to right. I got to find God's right will, however you do that." So I became pretty obsessed with like finding a wife. Yes. Frankly. Yeah. Well, and and I mean, there's some understanding to that when you're young. I mean, you're designed yeah. That way. Oh, it's, sure. It's, pretty, yeah. it's not like it was just me and my friend group because I read that book. <laughs> You're like, oh, I need a wife. Yeah. No. I mean, my other friends were either saying I need a wife or I need a girl. Right. Yeah. And, well, and there's yeah. this there's this argument. I mean, in Christianity, that that comes from something good, but is is abused. Like it's pretty clear that if you obey the way of God, that right. life is actually going to have a certain amount of blessing in it. Mm-hmm. Right? But it's but not. What a, is the blessing? It's not a promise. Well, even just from a logical standpoint, if I choose not to hurt you and your family, right. we will probably have a better relationship, right? Right. That's the principle of scripture. And so, what we've taken that that simple principle, and we've taken it and said it's a guarantee, right? That if you obey X, Y, and Z, and you do this, this, and this, then we're, there's a promise of everything, a blessing being on you. Good this, good that. They're and, not. They're not talking about you get a yeah. deep and intimate relationship with Jesus, regardless of your circumstances. Yeah. So you're, and you're back to describing kind of the the prosperity ish versions of right. things. Are saying they're taking the application of scripture that says do X, Y, and Z, and there's a blessing, and they're promising very specific types of blessings, usually right. outside of knowing God. Because I was going to say, I, I agree with you that that the principle is there, like. I mean, some of the, you know, the commandment with a promise, honor your father and mother, and it will go well with you. Yeah. Like, what does that mean? I mean, that's my question. So I look back at the Old Testament, for example. Let's just take the 
the deliverance from Egypt. Um, so God comes in and promises to his people that, you know, he'll deliver them from their slavery and pronounces yeah. some, you know, some curses upon those who won't let them go. Right. And delivers them into a wilderness. Right. Which was and, only supposed to be for a few months, by the way. Yeah, Maybe but then in the year. new but then in the New Testament it talks about that being a time of discipline yes. that was purposeful. And then they you know, and so they, they go through that time and and many of them begin to grumble because they go, uh, this stinks. This is ridiculous. Like this isn't good. God isn't good. And they kind of get weeded out, right? Yes. So I feel like when we when we look back at Old Testament principles that like, hey, if you uh, obey the law, you'll be blessed, we need to keep them in tension with the Old Testament narratives that say, the bless- what would the blessing be? So were the people who were taken out of slavery blessed? My answer, I think, would be yes. Did they view it as a blessing? Did it always feel like a blessing? Did they always like what God was doing? Did it bring them happiness and satisfaction and pleasure? Um, on the surface level, not always. Right. At a deeper level, it could have. Like they, they could have seen the goodness of God and said, look, if God delivered us out of that, he'll deliver us out of this and my soul can be at rest. But it it's really important how we distinguish those, like rest of the soul, enjoyment of the now, um, or even the thing that you were delivered at, like you're you're delivered out of singleness. Now you have marriage. Some people, they're delivered out of singleness, and now they have marriage, and they look at God and go, this isn't better. I'm grumbling. I don't like this. This isn't, you promised me something good. I don't like this. That doesn't mean God didn't right. take you there. Well, I also think it's the way people think. So I have heard from people who have grown up in this purity movement, yeah. who were Christians, who grew up in the Christian culture, particularly men, and what they heard was, Look, if you subdue this internal lust that you have, right. and that if you honor Harness women the in the perfect way and or a careful way, and you don't you don't look at pornography and you control, I'm going to say it on air, masturbation, all right. that kind of stuff. If you control that, then when you get married, right, you are going. It's going awesome. to be awesome, right. And they forget that you're putting two human beings together, yeah. uh-huh. broken and fallen. Yeah, but there's this thing we the way we get kids, and we're trying to control them at some level, and we're trying to help them and protect them. We we give them absolutes, and so there's a set of them, black and white, who say A plus B equals C. You promised this, I did it, and now I'm disappointed because it didn't turn out the way you said it was going to turn out. There's another group of people who heard the purity movement, and they were like, Yeah, well, it makes sense. You do what's right. Sure. And it probably will go better for you, and that is logical. And I and I don't want to, yeah. I want I want to distinguish, and I even want to kind of give good old Harris the benefit of the doubt because I didn't read his book, or I at least don't remember it because I don't remember things. But I don't remember what kind of guarantees he gave. I don't. I don't know. Maybe he really. Maybe he didn't like promise it was going to be awesome. Maybe he just suggested that if you try to do this. Yeah, you know, there's some form of God honoring that, which I wouldn't disagree with. Right. Yeah. Right. And I can only talk, to, you know, to the few chapters I read a long time ago. Right. So I can't talk yeah. to it. 
And, but I can talk about the people who experienced it and did read it and, and the, did believe those things. Well, and it's not just what the writer intended. It's what – and th- this is a scary thing having written anything. So even with my little book, which is – I mean, it's, it's a travel memoir. So I hope you know people don't take it as too authoritative over their lives. I've already – I know, I'm sure you have. Except I'm waiting you're for like, the actual you're copy. Like, I only drive Fords no now. airs in it. And so. I, uh, yeah, because Andy said. Um, but but the hard thing is the author could intend a thing and share a thing, and somebody right. can easily take that and take it to the next level. Sure. But there is a movement that's yes, happened. You know, time. you and I huge, talked about huge, it in another huge, podcast. Huge. Yes. From the, the purity oh, yeah. rings to the well, oh, yeah, love weights to the yeah. – Because then the Christian industrial complex got a hold of it yes. and started pumping out, um, you know, more books. And every story was going to be a, you know, a, a book or a tale sure. or a video. And then um, there was uh, all the – there were gift items and rings and bracelets. and Yeah. No, it, it's not good. Um, if, imagine if Christians had been getting tattoos back then, the oh tattoos goodness. they would have gotten. Oh, my gosh. The So <laughs> I did read an article in response to all of this where one, the writer was saying, look, we, we shouldn't blame Josh yeah. Harris. Who we need to really blame is the parents of the kids who were, were part of this purity movement, that we weren't discipling people in a more deep way to be in yeah. relationship with Jesus and trust that Jesus is going to care for them. And we weren't guiding them. We were giving right. them these universals and then expecting them to try to figure out life, really. And then handing them every Christian book and CD and telling them, follow these people. Right. Which turns out wasn't the best idea. Right. We, we basically, we, create, we have created, I mean, every religion is a cult. And we've created, the, the Christian culture has become a dangerous cult in some ways. Right. In the way of personality. And you're, speaking, and you're speaking of cult in more of the, the traditional sense of like cult is tied to a culture. Yes, yes. A, a group of people yeah. organizing themselves right. around practices. Right. Which everybody's that, that, in one of those. Right. Every We're all in human a cult. is in some form of cultus. Yes, yeah. we are. And some of them are more organized than others and some have charismatic leaders. I mean, that's. And some of them are based on direct, you know, untruths that are. Sure. That are curated well, to do specific many of things them are. yep and and the ones lots of them that aren't religious yeah are absolutely. there to curate particular beliefs and absolutely structures. um so anyway all that that said like i do think as i was reading the news i'm like wow i don't think people understand that in the christian community there is actually an advantage to um it is healthy for your marriage to follow Jesus. Like yeah. I don't, I don't want like people to think that like there's oh we should throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like no. no, Jesus actually transforms marriages, and and that's also something. and relationships and societies and all sorts of things. Yes, and and so there are good principles. Yeah, but there are no guarantees because we're broken and fallen, and Jesus is in the middle of that. He's not in the middle of a perfection. Well, and think about. Jesus's ministry here. So if we just, just like, I guess, creative thinking, think about your marriage or your relationships or whatever problem you're trying to solve and think about being a disciple of his back when he was here. And um, so you're Peter and you're not fulfilled in your job. And apparently Peter was married and whatnot. Yeah. And so Peter starts to follow Jesus. 
were all of Peter's problems solved? Was Peter a different person overnight? Did he not struggle anymore? Did life get easy and smooth for Peter? No. no. Um, but he got to know Christ, and he it, it transformed everything. So the, the brokenness that he saw in himself was you know, directly seen by the God of the God of all creation in Christ. And he was forgiven and restored despite it. Um, he, the, he ends up, you know, the, he was working for, you know, money and to support his family. And he became motivated by a different type of work that built the kingdom, even though it probably financially didn't work out so well for him. Um, he, he ended up, you know, being martyred. Um, and so his, his life was shorter and his marriage ended, you know, you could say prematurely. He left a widow, let's assume. I don't know all the timelines here. Yeah. So well, none of us do. None of us do. But, but like, think about, did that work out well as far as, like, you know, the, the long marriage that leads to retirement and you just travel all the European countries and see it all? Did Peter get that by following Jesus? No. But his marriage, his work, his life was infused with knowing Christ, which he came to believe was more valuable. Um, and so did it work out? Yes. Just not the way right. you would ever have designed it. But it was more rich. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, is that – I mean, I, I tend to think that way. Like, So if you're thinking today – I want to walk with Jesus into marriage and work and so on and so forth. I think you should, you know, assume it could you could have some similar experiences. Right. God's not necessarily guaranteeing you don't have sex until you're married and you're just going to have this, like, incredibly, you know, amazing sex life now. And uh, your wife's going to think you're the best at all times and the whole church will praise you for your prayer. Right. So, so the question then is, I mean, people can listen to us babble on about this, but who cares? I mean, at some level, here we are, two pastors. Yeah. We have single people in our church. We have yeah. married people in our church. How do we change the culture? What do we, what, what's, how do we talk about marriage? How do we talk about being single in a way that's actually going to be comforting and helpful and, you know. You yeah. Know. How, so how, so yeah, let me throw this at you really quick. So having looked at like the. I kissed dating goodbye book and said, no, I'm not using this to lead my people. How have you chosen to balance the, yeah, the promises of the Bible um, with, you know, kind of an appropriate set of expectations and how have you discipled people in a way that encouraged them to follow Jesus, right? but have a different set of expectations? Well, I think... The first thing I say about everything is prepared to be disappointed. Yeah. Like, don't think that if you, you know, are going to have a celibate life and be a right. single, you know, great warrior for Christ, that, that Jesus is going to be emotionally. And here's the thing I think people struggle with is that they are, we're all looking to fill up an emotional emptiness. Yeah. When people say they're not close to Christ, they're not saying that they haven't had an experience with Jesus. Or that but he isn't walking with them now. He's saying they don't. They're saying they don't have an emotional feeling yeah. when they say that about their husband or wife right. or their friends. 
it's all about our emotions. Yeah. And our emotions get so I actually think their emotions make it difficult for us to actually experience Jesus. Yeah. And so we're going to be disappointed. And I actually think that's just part of being human and fallen. Totally. And so you have to start at the point of yes, everything in life is going to have ups and downs, but probably over most of it you're going to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to be disappointed in yourself. You're going to be disappointed in your spouse. You're going to be disappointed in your community, in yeah. your family, your children. <laughs> like we go on down the line. But then you have to be, okay, so then what is the center of things? And I think that's where if you, I mean, we've been going through the Old Testament. But you find this all over the New Testament too. The Old Testament just echoes this. It shows you that it's, it's real. Is that if the story is about you, Right. It's going to be really miserable. Yeah. I mean, even like I was preaching on Sunday, you know, Cain and Abel. God says to Cain after they make their sacrifices and Cain doesn't, you know, he's, his isn't accepted. He's like, hey, Cain, uh, if you do what's right, you know yeah. you'll be accepted. <clears throat> and I like the NASB says your countenance will be raised. And, you know, because yeah. it says his countenance is down. Like, you'll be okay. But if you do what's wrong, then sin is at yeah. your door and it wants to take control of you and you yeah. have to rule it. There's, there is this element of like, this isn't your story, King. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, filling up your emotional basket is not God's thing. But there's yeah. something deep and rich about doing what is right and being yeah. accepted. And, and so when I think about, okay, yes, I'm going to be disappointed, but there's something, as you were saying with Peter, there's something so deep and rich about Jesus. Right. That I have to recenter myself on. So even when we talk about marriage, what we're not talking about, yes, should we talk about how you, husband and wife can communicate better and understanding what a woman longs for and a, what a man longs for? Good things to talk about. Well, if and you for make that matter, rules, what, what, you know, what good sex might look like. Yeah. Those are yeah. Com- yeah, those are good. But if they become rules, yeah. if they become this is the way you'll get this or this is important for a healthy marriage. Yeah. And then, that, that, then you're in the wrong place. <laughs> yeah, and that's and then that's where I feel now that principle right there blows it way bigger than the than just the the sexual purity movement and like Joshua Harris because the there are many 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 books especially in the Christian world and I, I just haven't read a lot of them outside so I assume they're outside too that are like that are making promises for like hey if you get the techniques right be it conversation or sex or right. anything then you'll get the good benefit right it's the, yes the self-help world yes. like make yourself better yep right and and so yeah so for me it's like if relationship with jesus is the at the core of being single right being married yeah because that's re- what that if i mean in the christian framework everything is about knowing Christ and having a relationship with Jesus. Like your marriage, your singleness, your journey, your work, your everything is preparing you, shaping you, teaching you, sustaining you until you see him face to face. Right. It's for that. So it's not it's not an end in itself. Right. It's for something else. Right. Yeah. And and I don't like, you know, and here's why the principle like we want to jump on the principles and make them the rule because we kind of are people who look at statistics. Yeah. And I, Christians do look at the statistics and, and 
like I've said on this show before, and I did, I went and checked this out because I was like, okay, if we're going to talk about marriage and we're going to talk about, you know, these people's marriages falling apart. You're like, I need my stats. I need my stats. <laughs> and so I went on a good site, Gospel Coalition, where they oh. analyzed the 50%, you know, same divorce rate in the Christian Christian community. And oh, they, right. They do a good breakdown of it. And the reality is that if you are, a, if you, practice the same faith in a regular and deep way with your spouse, it's more likely that you're going to have fulfillment in all these different areas. Hmm. Because when you bring, and let's just say from a, a Christian perspective, when you bring Jesus into sexuality, right. the, the the my pleasuring of my wife and vice versa is not about me. It becomes right. about Jesus and, right. and the commandment of love one another. Right. Like I'm bringing yes. that into place when it comes to parenting, when it comes to being a single person within a community and honoring the women or men around me, it becomes about that. And mm-hmm. that's hard. Yeah. Right. Cause the emotion is loneliness. I mean, that's what we all feel. Yeah. And, and Jesus is like, well, am I going to be enough for that loneliness? And you're like, yeah, no. I mean, that's mostly our answer is to that. And yeah. so that's why, you know, you and I have talked about going to, church and attending church regularly and especially when you have a community that has is looking to focus you on jesus right you need that you need to be reminded like no hey eric it's not your story it's jesus it's about jesus what jesus has done and what jesus is doing yep so i don't know but what do you for that matter well yeah i was gonna say for that matter the uh you know this that idea ties into everything because also a lot of the reason people are giving up on church is because it's not meeting that emotional need. Right. And like rather than having a community of people that every once in a while might stumble in, you know, and or might kind of go, you know what, actually that's not your story. It's about Jesus. And just having that type of community around you in a rich way um, isn't what we've been taught to look for. Mm-hmm. We've been taught to look for um, a, a church community that gives you total satisfaction and a good emotional experience. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's interestingly like we've bought into this sort of thing. Yeah. And it it's all over the place. It's not just Josh Harris, it's not just the sexual period. There's a reason when he wrote that book or somebody told him he should write that book, it all clicked and everybody got excited is cuz the whole culture was based around that stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, I think we in our culture worship emotion. Yeah. And you know, you can find extreme emotion all over the place, or as you know, abnormal psychologists say, you can find hysteria yeah. in any group, yeah. right? And heightened emotion. You go to a concert, yeah. you find hysteria and heightened emotion yeah. where people actually do things they wouldn't normally do. Yeah. And you go to sports games. Why are these people throwing things at other people? <laughs> right. <laughs> this is unacceptable anywhere else. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Because we get caught up in the emotion. Yeah. And it's the same for church. We want that the music, yeah. the speaking to stir our emotions. And so what happens, I think, is that we can't hear God at all. Hmm. Like we get so blinded to, to the experience of God because though God uses our emotions, I, I think – Jesus is so much about quietly walking next to people and sp- continually speaking through his people and saying, hey, you know, Andy, it's yeah. about me. Look over here. And we're like, ah, I love this song or I love, you know, whatever it is, this, the way this feels or the way it looks or how beautiful this person is. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I can't help but but connect some of my personal experience sure. to this. So and you should. Right. So I, you know, I had 
it was it was interesting, and I had a little pride in this. I talked about this on another on another podcast um, a while back, but the so I, I'd read all that kind of stuff. Really wanted to have a you know just one of these amazing relationships where I got to experience all that, and you know I was lonely and so on and so forth as well. So it's like a mix of loneliness plus kind of buying into this idea that this is, you know, if you do X, Y, and Z, it's going to be awesome. And so, um, and I was kind of heartbroken after some other stuff, but, but essentially met, met my ex-wife and really like there was no sex before marriage, you know, and all this stuff. And I thought, I mean, this is a person that in my mind was a very passionate um, person who'd been really hurt by others. And I, I was going to come in and be the redeemer of this right, story. Right, you're rescue her. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, and my, I mean, a friend of mine even said, he was like, dude, and this is, he meant to be kind, but it was, it fed the beast, right? He was like, dude, you're proof that it can be done, that you can like wait and all this stuff. And I was like, whoa, amazing. So, so anyway, that, so I'm, my assumption is, all right, we, we checked the boxes, we did this right, and God's going to honor it, and it's going to be sweet, it's going to be awesome. And a few years later, we're divorced. And there's a whole, you know... Story, yeah. And, there's a, and some of it's none of your business. Right. Um, but, but um, I mean, the, the short story is there was so much more to it and and I had put so much fulfillment into this that when I found out that actually a bunch of stuff info I had wasn't wasn't true and wasn't real. I mean, I was I've never been so kicked off the chair in my life. I mean, I was just floundering like what hap- what just happened here? Oh, my, you know. Hmm. And um and so, yeah, I mean, and then I was in this interesting position of of uh having to try relationship again after that, you know, and to go like, so I don't have my quote unquote purity anymore. Right. I don't have it. Um, and so that can't be the basis of this being awesome. I don't have it. Right. And, uh, and I don't have, and the blinders have been pulled off to where it's like, this, this is risky because I'm going to go into relationship again with a, a broken person and you never get guarantees. You don't get a whole bunch of, you know, paperwork at the beginning of that that goes, look, risk-free loan. You know, it's like, no, this is a human. This is a person. Humans hurt each other. Hmm. You don't know, you know? And so, so anyway, I hear, I mean, I think I really bought into, and I didn't know I was doing that, but I think I really bought into the idea that if I do this right, it's going to go well for me. And, uh, and really had that rug pulled out in a big way. Yeah. So, so when I, when I think about this, I, I recognize myself. I, I'm like, and I wanted that and it, I, I wanted it so bad. I wanted that fulfillment that I thought was going to come from that. But I'm super grateful looking back hmm. that the rug got pulled out. Yeah. Cause, um, because my marriage to Michaela, there was never, for me at least, like I didn't go into it that time thinking this is going to fulfill me. Right. Like I had a very different mindset. Like, yeah. and and I, I got a lot of great counsel and had elders in my church that walked with me through all of that. But I was going into it. Well, can I just want to pause you for a second? Sure. 
just in what you said, you got a lot of wise counsel. Yeah. You had a bunch of elders who walked yep. through with you. And now, of course, some of that had to do with, with the divorce and all that. But you had all of this community right. of people who I actually did. all of a sudden are pouring into your life, which I'm assuming at some level was not at the that depth, at least, was happening when you got married the first time. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I was involved in a very different type of – I was involved in a church community the first time and the second time. Right. And if any, any of you know my church journeys, you know that neither one of those churches would I ever describe as perfect right. at all. Um, but I will say that that second church, despite all of the ways I didn't understand it and the, the ways that didn't always meet my needs, which right. I didn't, um, but I was known there and I was loved and I was prayed for and I was given various types of advice, some better than others. But generally, I had a community of people surrounding me, walking with me, asking me questions. Very powerful. Very, very powerful. Yeah. And even like people who, simple stuff who, like what I didn't have the first time is the, I think in the first community, the general consensus was maybe more the like Josh Harris's book is the best thing ever. And every book like that is the best thing ever. And kind of the theology of that church lent more to like, if you get it right, it'll go well. Right. And so it's just like, oh, two Christians are getting married and they're not sleeping together. It's going to be great. Right? right, that was the the going mentality. Everybody was just like psyched to get us married. Right. In the second church, I mean, I had pastors come up to me and go, "Hey, like your wife's coming from a wealthy family, and you're coming from a poor family. This is going to be hard. Like, do you realize like that's not going to be an easy thing to figure out and to walk through? Like, maybe you should consider that." And I was almost, I was like, "What? What? Like that? That doesn't matter." And they're like, "Well, you should you should keep it in mind." Right. And, uh, you know, so people were not saying, no, you can't get married or being controlling, but they were really giving honest feedback. Like, look at that. Yeah. And like, hey, you were divorced. You need to wait longer to get married. I mean, I I was told, like, you're not ready for this. That's good. And it was great. Yeah. And it, and it was totally and, – and we – I mean, they even suggested we not, you know – talk for a period of time and wait. And we did that. We, we were like, all right, well, we'll wait and see if it comes back around. So yeah, the involvement of that community, even pushing back on our emotional yeah. excitement was very good. Very, very good. Yeah. I didn't mean to cut off that, but no, I thought that was all. important to, it is. to say. And that's, a, and that's a huge difference in my two experiences. And one, I often don't connect. You're, so you're good. You're right to do that because it's not, it wasn't just there are a lot of elements that can be there because there could be a kid growing up in your church right now or something who's like 19, who's just like, even though he's never read Joshua Harris, he's just psyched to find a woman, right? Right. Like, you don't need Joshua Harris's old book to get you there. Right. And, but your church community hopefully would be able to walk with him through those sure. feelings and kind of help temper that kind of yeah. stuff. and. Yeah. Maybe they'll listen, maybe not, but at least you're with them. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. So anyway, when I when I hear you saying all this, I guess all I'm saying is not like I agree philosophically or I agree yeah. from a ministry standpoint. But I agree from my experience that I've tried both right. in, interestingly and you know, that's part of my story. Well, and even though I didn't read Josh Harris and I was a little pre that when I was dating. Right. Um and got married that the purity movement was big in the late eighties. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so that push, um, to, to 
date a certain way, to not be physically involved, to honor women, all that kind of dating for marriage was a phrase that was used a lot. Um, So so Sue and I went through that. And um, also the strong message was that if you were a man, you needed to be able to financially like provide for your wife. And that didn't just mean like, you were provide like you guys could have an apartment and a you know a mattress on the floor. You know, it was, it was like, like you better be you better be a career man with a house. Yes, and, and, and so all of a sudden yeah. you're waiting. So so Sue and I dated for almost six years. I mean, we were engaged and yeah. dated for six years. It was and it and it wasn't good. Yeah, I mean, because you were waiting till you were in good enough shape to get yes. married. Yeah, and we should have gotten married in college, and it would yeah. have changed the way things happened. Um, but it also, when you wait that long physically, yeah, you push boundaries. But not only that, if you're not trying to push boundaries, it's just miserable. Yeah. You're miserable for six years or like, whatever it was that we were doing. Biologically, it's it's it's, it's wrong. Yeah, and <laughs> it's biologically wrong. So, this is why I tend to tell people if they really think they're going to marry somebody, I tell them to to short timeline it. Yeah, unless there's some major thing they're not. Well, I, I recommend short time it and get. Just get some intensive pre-marriage right. counseling with somebody who's not just going to hand you a, a test to right. take and right. then ask yep. you a few questions based on the test. Yeah, my you know, first marriage premarital was a was a set of questions and a conversation at Schlotsky's Deli, right? And, and it was not; it didn't get to the bottom of anything, right? Yeah. So, like for us, when we got married, like we had that promise, like oh, like we waited, we right. were careful for most part, like we're going to have a great sex life and it's going to be right. amazing. Uh, no, <laughs> I would say that my sex life when we, I'm not, and I get to say this because I've been married 23 years. Yeah. Um, and Sue and I have been committed to, to developing and having a yeah. healthy sex life. But I would say, as I look back over time at, at 47, well, well, my sex drive is not the same as 23 anymore. Right. Um, and you know, Sue and I don't, you know, we're not young and spry anymore. Like it, it our sex life's a lot better yeah. than it was when we were in our thirties. We right. Because if there's a richness to it and to the commitment to it and to pushing past the struggles and pushing past all of the, the, the issues we had and having to talk through them. But yeah, but there's no it was no it didn't like those first four years of being pure didn't really right. <laughs> lead us. Now it may have made it better. Yeah, in the sense of maybe we brought a little less shame into it because yeah. of the culture we lived in. That there's a lot of shame to having sex before you got married, right. so we avoided at least that artificial shame or <laughs> good shame. I don't know. I mean, we can right. talk about that, but so that was not there. But outside of that, you know, well, and even even what you're saying now, I do I do think, and I would argue with the people who you know the the kind of cliche argument that you gotta you know drive a test drive a car before you buy it or whatever. That's, yeah, that's stupid. Which sure, but some a lot of people believe it. Yeah. And I would I would with you argue that, you know, a good sex life comes from a loving, committed like a a relationship and I'm saying loving and committed right. in relation to your sex life, like working on it. Right. And and, and I also would quickly say when I say having good sex, I'm not saying you know that we're having eighty nine orgasms. You know, like this is not that's not what sex. Right. All, right. You you realize it's not about you. Right. And that's yes. a beautiful, it's, amazing. 
I my principle I give to to people who are getting married is sex is just like the rest of your marriage. It's my life for yours. And so when it is when it is a sacrificial act on both of your parts, when you're both thinking that way, it can be beautiful no matter what happens because your heart is loving and offering to the other person. And that's that's the beauty of it. That's what's sweet. Um, sometimes the the physical experience, you know, is more beautiful because of it. Yeah. Sometimes it isn't, and it yeah. doesn't. But it doesn't ultimately matter. And the good news is that someday, as far as that goes, I mean, you know, you have to you have to decide. Like, if Sue got in an accident and became paralyzed oh, yeah. next week, and your sex life becomes not having sex anymore, like you. That doesn't signal the end of this. Like, because if it's my life for yours and giving unto you, you can do that in all sorts of different ways and and you might not get that anymore. And at some point you'll age out. Like your old hip is going to get stuck and (laughs) it's not going to work. And like, and (laughs) I've aged out of sex. I'm sorry. Those, those can be, it's not all walk to remember where they die having sex. Like it's not all that. It's, it's like sometimes. You don't, and and the the beauty of it is when the type of relationship you have can be more rich after that, like when that isn't there anymore, or if and if you get to have it, sweet, yeah, great, yeah. But you don't have to because the principle on which you had sex is the one that's yeah operative in all parts of life. Right. And it, there is a there's it there's and it's hard to explain. There's no like step. There are a lot of steps, but there are no steps. In the sense of being able to see your wife or husband through Jesus versus right. seeing them through your own actual eyes. Because when you see them the way Jesus sees them, it's overwhelming yeah. the way you feel about them. Yeah. Like, you know, it's it's mm. it's so deep and rich because both you have this like covenant connection to this right. person and you have Jesus, you know, Jesus in that covenant. And yeah. It's like that's what I think is unique and rich about Christian marriage is you have the overwhelming spirit of God on you, and you're doing something bigger. You're reflecting yeah. the church together in yeah. every aspect of your life, and that's yeah, that's really cool. And so, I wish people. I think I think in the trouble with the old era and Josh Harris's book probably fed into this on whether he meant to or not. But um, was that sex was made to be like the the pinnacle thing sort of like it was like you do this and this and this right and you get this right um what ended up happening in my life is because that that got torn out from under me and i didn't have my purity badge anymore and stuff like right that. um but but i got to try again which is a which was mercy that's a beautiful and gift. a beautiful gift and and but it wasn't just the sex i was trying i was trying the whole thing over again Asking the question, why am I marrying this person? Right. Um, what do I think the point of this marriage is? And mm. because I was approaching all of that differently, it and it has not been smooth and easy, um, but it's been rich. It's been very different because mm. the purpose of it has been very different. Yeah. So. No, I totally agree. One of the things when I was thinking, coming over here, I was thinking about marriage Yeah. and and the counseling that I do. What what I see in people's marriages is that things start going really bad when there's a desperation yeah. in them. Like mm. when people are feeling desperate to fill the emptiness yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they begin to devour each other. Yeah. I mean, or yeah. think that maybe there's something else outside. Right. 
when there's hope yeah. that Jesus can restore, right. that even in the worst parts of marriage, you mm-hmm. can walk through it. Yeah. If both are like, I I really hate you, but I love Jesus. <laughs> and so I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then, then there's there's hope and yeah. hope that there's transformation. But if it's desperation, it's over. Like if mm-hmm. you're acting out of pure desperation, like a wild animal. Yeah. It's it's over in the sense like you you can't do it. Yeah. And it's like, you know, a lot of what I feel called to do when I do marriage counseling, I mean, there is a lot of hey, did you hear what you just said and how that right. might have been experienced? But And working through a lot of other issues. But a lot of times it's like, you know what? How do we move to Jesus? Yeah. Like, where? Let, let's talk about Jesus because Jesus is going to be the thing that's going to yeah. work this out, not our skilled way of learning how to communicate or listen or be, yeah. you know, be heard or not be triggered or whatever yeah, else. Yeah. Right. You know, and... and yeah, the demands are there are a lot of demands that we develop within these relationships. But anyway, I did want to say one thing about Joshua Harris's article before we leave because part of the article talks about how he's not just kind of given up on his yeah. purity thing, but he's sees what he's done as a, both an attack on women mm. and also an attack on the LGBTQYZF whatever okay. you know and and. Because he sees it, I think, kind of as uh, what do you call it, a misogynistic uh, okay. move. Like, a, and and so he's repented of all of that. It seems okay. And and is I'm not even sure. People are saying he's stopped being a Christian, but I think he's. I don't know. Sounds like from what I'm reading, I read the CNN article and I read one other, and it's like saying he's more opening up his arms to everybody and think, oh, everyone should be welcome in the church no matter where their okay. sexual persuasion is okay. and the church needs to promote women more. And So I'm not completely clear on all that, but it does seem like he, it's bigger for him than just yeah. this purity weight <clears throat> thing. That, that wouldn't surprise me. I think, I don't know. I, I'm just... Yeah, it would be pure speculation. Yeah, yeah. No but idea. it's interesting to me because he's an influencer and I think, wow, like... The swing when you're an influencer and you're one kind yeah. of influencer and you swing all the yeah. way to the other side, people are going to grab onto your feet and swing with you, and right. that's dangerous because they're not going through the same thought process you are. Yeah, they're just gonna they're gonna skip the thought process and move from here. Right. To there. Well, they and then followed the new, you one way, they're gonna and they'll follow well, you the other. And this gets back to the conversation we had about with Ray about like doing the same things and that now there's a a conversion to something else and now there's the new ethic of we're going to do it this way actually and it's going to be inclusive now and it's going to be this and it's going to be that right. interestingly it's no less it can be no less nuanced and it can end up having the same making the same big promises of everything's going to be fine and good that may not pan out that's what i would worry about is that people would go josh harris now found the new best right. thing and everybody runs over there and it turns out the LGBT movement doesn't have all the answers either, and there's disappointment right. in that community too, and and there is. And, and and you know the thing that's been that bugs me because I listen to a lot of these influencers from people. Yeah. I'm gonna throw his name in, like Jordan Peterson or right. Josh Harris, and people ask them about their more extreme positions. Right. Sorry. <laughs> it's on the floor. The, you know the the phone on the floor doesn't help when it's on uh, when the the sound is on. <laughs> but what they say is yeah. when they come out with their extreme position, they say, "Oh, a bunch of people called me," yeah. and they said, "Oh, I struggle with this," and this is a proof 
that that this is a good thing from Jordan Peterson, who I enjoy and, and, and Rob agree Bell with, to and Rob all the people Bell. we've all the all the ones that have have been um, yeah the big names right. So if I ever get big or you ever get big, in the sense of a lot of people want to follow what we're saying all over the world, please don't say <laughs> when you come out with a different opinion. And a lot of people called me and said I have the same problem. <laughs> well, and, just, and and a lot of the a lot of those folks too like tend to not really define in hard terms what the new position is even right. though there's a subscription to it and then the the proof for it is that a lot of people were looking for this well you know in in Joshua Harris's case back when he watched back when he wrote I kiss dating goodbye a lot of people were looking for that right um everybody wanted to know how do I how do I ensure that I have a really great marriage because focus on the family is telling me I have to and all the churches are saying that I have to be a good man and I have to do this right and I don't know how to do this right. So he gave people what they wanted. So giving people what they want, which is why that book deal was a book deal and why it all went so big and why it sold a million copies, that's not the right question. Right. And so I guess the end though, because I think one of the things we're talking about and you don't like this either, I don't think, is that our culture – in general, but our subculture as Christians, we create celebrities. Right. And then we don't do what it says in Scripture in Acts that the, when the Bereans heard right. Paul, they went back and they made sure that what Paul was saying was actually good. Right. It's good to listen to people, and God gives people charisma and wisdom. But don't take what they right. say verbatim. Right. Go check it. Make Look sure it. It, that the Spirit like affirms it in your heart as you read Scripture and that you can find others who you trust who can say, okay, yeah, that makes sense, or no, that doesn't, and you can have that dialogue. Don't just jump on a bandwagon or, you know, just because somebody's words have transformed your life, that doesn't mean they have all the answers to everything. Right, which with a movement like the purity movement falling apart, that should be a big warning sign to us that just because something's a big movement and a lot of people are doing it and it seems to meet the the emotional needs that I have doesn't mean you should do it. Right. Um, well, that was quite the podcast. Thanks for uh, hanging out, Eric. That was interesting. So, uh, good topic. Good topic. You're the man. All right, you should open it up because I usually open. Mm-hmm.